Hammer, and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! As Lieutenant Governor, you're running for a seat that could decide the balance of power in Washington. What qualifies you to be a U.S. Senator? You have 60 seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. (laughs) That's how it started, Nige. That's how John Fetterman started the Pennsylvania Senate debate last night. What, What was the specific wording? Hello and good night, everybody. Hello, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. I wish he probably wishes it were that easy. Uh, my name is Nigel Hammers, right over there. Let's not waste any time because we know why you are here. You're waiting for us to break it all down. Let's do some midterm stuff. Polling, debates, Fetterman. The Eagles are so much better than the Eagles. Midterm stuff. Wow. Sometimes even I can be at a loss for words. So I got a text chain going on. I'm talking to Nigel. I'm talking to our bosses. And I tell them last night, I've seen a lot of debates. I've seen some stupidity happen at debates. I have seen some crazy moments happen. But I've never seen an overall dumpster fire like I've seen last night, Nige. Well, I I think you're talking about Dr. Oz and Fetterman, the Pennsylvania Senate debate. Um, I think the Democrats are relieved. I think they are glad we are talking about the quote-unquote performance and some of the deficiencies of Fetterman and the uh, aftermath of, of what he's dealing with in terms of his stroke. They want us to talk about this stuff because they don't really want to talk about how they want to pass more oppressive climate change laws, They they how they want to take away your rights as gun owners. They don't want to talk about how they, they would love to indoctrinate your kids with sexuality and gender identity identity they want to talk about this kind of stuff right now and uh i don't blame them look i don't care what anybody says it doesn't make you a bad person if you have serious doubts that john fetterman can do this job i understand he had a stroke i hope he gets the help he needs i hope he feels better But that doesn't mean we get to send him off to Washington where he makes decisions on our health care and the country's well-being. Hammer, they've been telling us that he feels better. He says he feels better. His doctor signed off on him feeling better, able to perform duties. But that is not what it looked like last night on that debate stage. Anybody with two eyes that watched that last night will tell you Fetterman is not well. And it's okay to point that out. Here are some examples of what went on last night. When asked about his history of flip-flopping on the fracking industry, which is a pretty big deal in Pennsylvania, take a listen to Fetterman's answer. I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking. But there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Uh, I, I, I do support fracking, and I don't, I don't, I support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking. 
I support fracking, <laughs> and I stand, and I support fracking. That's after a, what, a five, six oh, Mississippi yeah. pause? Well, I think he may have been reading some sort of teleprompter there or something, but still the reply didn't make a, an ounce of sense whatsoever. I mean, he's not for fracking. I mean, that's when you... You know, you're able to um, create these deep cracks in the rocks, get um, uh, natural gas, petroleum and stuff like that out of the ground, which is a controversial process that the climate cultists want to do away with. He's on record as saying he's against fracking. Hell, Oz is literally running a negative campaign ad against Fetterman in Pennsylvania using his own words. I don't support fracking uh, at all, and I never have. Um, yeah, I called for a moratorium on fracking. 2016 fracking moratorium pledge that Fetterman signed for an environmental watchdog group, as well as a 2016 tweet he sent while running for U.S. Senate. Uh, support fracking, I, I think it's something that has to eventually go away, uh, and I would like to see it you know, transition out. Canceling the Keystone Pipeline, which some people don't support, and, and I, I think he made the right call. Fossil fuels should be transitioned out. This that's guy ex- is a clown. That's unbelievable. That's I mean, and she point blank asked him. Uh, the moderator said, like, well, look, you're on record saying it's like you don't support fracking, and his response, I support, I stand, uh, fracking it's like why couldn't he have at least come up with something like hey, look i had a change of heart you know i didn't know the russia the ukraine thing was going going on i'm you know rethinking my uh, thoughts on energy independence he didn't he wasn't prepared to answer that question and he had weeks of preparation he had an earpiece in his ear and he had a teleprompter that's the best we can get a Fetterman right there. He had weeks to prepare. He had a prompter. He had an earpiece. And that dumpster fire that we got last night, that was the best of Fetterman. That was peak Fetterman. I'm not just saying this to be mean. The Democrats could have put Brick Tamlin from Anchorman up there and had more success last night. So how do you square the two? Oh, uh, I, I, I do support fracking. I love carpet and i don't i don't i love desk i support fracking and i stand and i do support fracking i love lamp <laughs> they would have had a better showing if they would have put brick uh. tamlin from anchorman in there now for those saying well that was one answer here is fetterman talking about his taxes Mr. Fetterman, I will allow a 15-second rebuttal. He has specifically said you have not paid your taxes and that you want to raise taxes on Americans. How do you respond? Uh, absolutely. The Oz rule, of course, he's lying. It was helping two students 17 years ago to help them you know, buy their own homes. They, they didn't pay the bills, and it got her paid, and it has never been an issue in, in any of the campaign before. It was all about nonprofit. All right. Thank you, Mr. Fetterman. It's like they had a contest winner. You know, (laughs) caller number nine gets to come on stage and debate Dr. Oz. And it's somebody that didn't prepare and has no idea what they're talking about. And the moderators were actually being very, I don't know if the word's gentle, but they were very good about cutting him off. And if you're Fetterman, you want to be cut off. Right. In this debate. You don't want to ramble on. 
and he is being provided cover by the moderators and mainstream liberal media outlets, uh, painting people as bullies for having uh, any amount of criticism for him. And I mean, you have to remember, this is a guy that that wants to ban fracking and cancel pipelines. And this is why this is important to people all across America watching these things right right now. He has some really, really bad policies uh, all the way from uh, energy independence to, to crime prevention, no cash bails, letting murderers out of jail. That's what this is really about. Let's hear Fetterman talk about the minimum wage increase and the effect that it would have on businesses. Now, try to follow along here. Now, we, we all have to make sure that everyone that works is able to. That's that's the most American bargain, that if you work full time, you should be able to live in dignity as well. True. And I believe they haven't have any businesses being being. Uh, we can't have businesses being subsidized by not paying ind- uh, individuals that just simply can't have to, to pay their own way. Shame on his wife for allowing him to be put out there to be used as a political prop. And shame on the Democratic Party. And if Fetterman is this bad, how bad is Joe Biden? Because they've been hiding this guy. They've been telling us, oh, Fetterman's fine. Clean bill of health. His doctor won't release the uh, medical records, but he sure will make a big donation to his campaign. They've been telling us this guy's fine. Yeah. He's not fine. And that's Anybody wh- who watched it knew. And that's why you're allowed to criticize and point out certain things is because nobody's forcing Fetterman out there. And he's everybody from corporate mainstream leftist media to Fetterman, to his wife, to his doctor has been telling him, no, no, he's fine. He's fine. He's obviously not fine. And we're allowed to point that out. This was his closing statement. Uh, last more? Night. There's more. You know, I'm also fighting for any forgotten community all across Pennsylvania that ever got knocked down that had to be made to get back up. And I've made my entire career dedicating to those kinds of pursuits. I started as a GED instructor back in in Braddock over 20 years ago because I believe it's about serving Pennsylvania, not about using Pennsylvania for uh, their own end interests as well. Uh, To me, careers are revealed by your your real underlying values. And my values have always been about fighting for forgotten communities all across Pennsylvania. It doesn't make you an ableist. It doesn't make you a bad person to say that this guy's not up for the job. He's not well. And they told us that he was. Now, listen, I'm not a big Dr. Oz fan. There were some things Dr. Oz said last night that I don't necessarily agree with. I kind of got a little Mitt Romney mansion vibe almost from Dr. Oz (laughs) last night. I'll work with the Democrats. Yeah, I'll reach across the aisle. Sure. Chuck Schumer, Bernie, let's come over. (laughs) Hang out. I want to be your friend. He's not great. But anybody that tells you that Fetterman is well they're lying to you. Well, he, I mean, Oz performed well. Dr. Oz did perform well. And he was very polished. And now he's being painted as a bully because he was pushing back on certain things that Fetterman had to say. Oh, he's a bully. He's an ableist. He's whatever yeah. ist the left wants to say. But man, Fetterman's a mess. And we're back. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. Nigel, Jason Hammer is here. If you have young children in the car, maybe just turn the volume down a skosh. 
This is an awkward headline from the New York Post, especially if you're a Catholic. I'll just I'll just read the, what the headline says here. Anna. Priests and nuns watch porn online too, says Pope Francis. The Pope's talking about that. The Pope said this. Hmm. I'll just I'll, I'll read more here. Even church leaders are horny little devils, according to Pope Francis. Good Lord. Priests and nuns watch pornography online just like everybody else, the Pope told aspiring clerics of the Roman Catholic Church this week. Quote, it's a vice that many people have. The devil gets in that way, Francis said Monday. And I'm not just talking about criminal pornography like that involving the abuse of children that is already degener- uh, degeneration but pornography that is a little normal dear brothers be careful about this so the pope is talking about porn <laughs> what is this what is going on now listen i'm not catholic uh, uh, neither am i but and i understand pope it ain't easy i get that <laughs> but at the same time i don't know how i feel about the pope talking about this kind of stuff well, I mean, he is acknowledging that uh, porn can be addicting, and you're not immune to that addiction, even if you're a, a member of the cloth or the clergy, even if you wear the little pope hat. The little—that's a big pope hat, and not a little hat. You get a little hat at Steak and Shake. Yeah. He's got the big <laughs> pope hat. Well, I'm talking about the white one that he wears when he's not like uh, you know sitting on the throne or whatever. You know. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I think. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm gonna get. I have some more here. Quote: There is another thing which you know well. Digital pornography. I'm going to spell it out. The pure heart. The ones that receive Jesus every day cannot receive this pornographic information. Uh, and if you can, delete this from your mobile phone. The line, though. Quote: Priests and nuns watch internet porn. I don't know. Maybe that's something you keep to yourself. Like, I get you got a lot of poping to do. You got a busy day. You got to run around in that little Pope mobile and you got to do some blessings. And I get it. You're a busy cat. But maybe, just maybe, there are some things that you just keep to yourself, like throwing the priests and nuns under the bus for their internet porn. I, I don't know how it works in Catholicism. And like in Christianity, you got to, like, to, to rid yourself of your addiction, sometimes you got to like openly confess and let your brothers and sisters in Christ know what you're struggling with is is what I've kind of learned over the years growing up in that setting. Not a, not a Catholic church, but I was in a pretty, pretty strict Christian church. You you openly confess your sins to other people that the way they, they can help you with that. But I I am. I was a little taken aback by the headline, and the headline reads just what the Pope said. Right. Right. And it's just kind of a shocking thing. Yeah. You know, uh, priests and nuns watch internet porn too. As a matter of fact, uh, I believe Pope Francis is about to have a press conference. Let's go live to the Vatican. Now, now I realize that 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 every now and again, some of you women folk, you get hot. You get bothered, and every now and again you get hot and bothered. (laughs) But what I want you to do when you get that hot and you need a little relief, I want you to, I want you to call me. I'm sorry, that was the Pope? Actually, I'm being told that was actually the pastor from the movie Don't Be a Menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. (laughs) I got them confused. I'm sorry. But the message is quite the same. Right. I think. Very clear. Mondo, hit me with some Halloween stuff. Pumpkins. Candy. Costumes. Halloween. 
Halloween stuff. There's a new survey that American office workers say 77 employees, 77% of employees want and enjoy an office Halloween party. Well, sure. This survey says, I mean, over 75% of employees, we want that party. We'd like dressing up for Halloween. We'd like the candy. We'd like the atmosphere. Do you like chicks like Mindy Winkler dressing up like slutty cats? Oh, my goodness. Are you only saying that because she's sitting here in the studio? (laughs) I was going to say the girls in the digital area. No, no, no. You better not do that. But I probably should refrain. Now, as a matter of fact, um, I don't know if you got this message on your work voicemail. Our new owners, Urban One, are throwing a Halloween party for us. Really? Later this week. In fact, we got this message on our phones. I've got it. I've, I taped it here, and this was on our phones earlier this morning. Hi, everyone. This is Kat with a message about tomorrow's office Halloween party. The company wants us to know the following. No dressing as a Karen, since we have people of that name working for the company. Okay. No dressing as the opposite sex, as that would be mocking the company's trans policy. Okay. No dressing as anything quote-unquote sexy. Nothing political, like dressing as the president's drool nurse. Nothing satanic <laughs> or religious. Nothing COVID-related, including bats, fangs, doctors, or nurses. Sugarless candy will be provided, no nuts, plus soft drinks and water. I'll be dressed as a giant candy corn again. See you at the party. It's going to be a lot of fun. So that's a big party uh, our new owners are throwing for us tomorrow. There's some rules going along with it. After the training session we all had, that makes perfect (laughs) sense. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. And we're back. The Hammer and Nigel Show. 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We'll go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Tony Kinnett, co-founder of Chalkboard Review. He is an education journalist, uh, former STEM administrator for IPS. Tony, how are you? Absolutely stellar, gentlemen. Look, um, we'll start with the breakdown here of the nation's report card that just dropped a couple of days ago. Not good. Latest data says that the... uh, Math scores have dropped among fourth and eighth graders in nearly every state. Reading scores are also down in roughly half of the United States. Uh, Does this surprise you considering we'd locked kids out of schools for the better part of a year and a half in some areas? No, because for the last year and a half, individuals at Chalkboard Review and a lot of our partnering organizations have basically been, you know, screaming at brick walls, trying to convince people that this was a mistake, that locking kids out of classrooms was a horrible decision. Uh, We were pointing to students in smaller uh, schools. There's also a linked study to the report card that you guys have talked about in which Catholic schools that stayed open. We don't have a ton of those in Indiana, but nationwide. Smaller Catholic schools that stayed open saw normal academic growth and even accelerated academic growth. And uh, in some of the metropolitan districts where students were locked out the longest, uh, I think of IPS, I think of Chicago, I think of Washington, D.C. and New York, the scores are abysmal. I mean, I'm actually running out of words to describe how awful the academic 
abuse uh, that has been done to children um, has, has really been in the last year and a half. Well, and you talk about abuse. There's more than academic abuse. Some of these kids, especially in uh, living in poverty, did not have the um, e-setups, the electric, uh, you know, the e-books, the computer setups. The uh, They did not have an extra set of eyes on them in terms of uh, possible abusive situations within the family. I mean, this is not just an education thing. This was horrible for our children and i feel like it was the national teachers unions that played a big role in all of this so i actually predicted this a couple of years ago when i was getting one of my master's degrees at ball state my thesis for my education technology master's degree uh, was that we are not prepared uh, to basically bring our schools up to code and infrastructure and making sure that uh, when a circumstance arises, and at the time I didn't actually predict uh, a pandemic or something, I predicted uh, some other situations that might keep a school closed for a few weeks. And I pointed out that teachers unions nationwide would likely be uh, the biggest protesters to actually getting things up to speed so that our kids would have the ability to learn. And I, you can actually find that published over at Ball State University uh, so that, you know, I'm not just, you know, gumming the listeners. Uh, but, yeah, it's incredible the students, especially in impoverished situations, uh, that we weren't able to actually provide any services to. Um, and some schools really did a phenomenal job, though. In Indiana, there were a lot of schools and a lot of teachers that uh, basically volunteered their entire day to yes. run meals around to students. Mm-hmm. It's just a shame that that isn't what happened everywhere. So, Tony, let's get into the phrase lockdowns, because here's what I'm seeing. And I'm pretty sure you're probably seeing the same thing where politics and education get even more intertwined than they were before. I see a lot of people on social media saying, wait a minute, nobody ever locked your kids out of school. We saw this the other night in the governor's debate, gubernatorial debate between uh, DeSantis in Florida and Charlie Crist. The Democrats are now trying to call the Republicans the lockdown party. We've got Dr. Fauci saying, whoa, whoa, I never (laughs) called for locking kids out of school. We're not dumb. We saw what happened with our own eyes. But I'm seeing a lot of folks, particularly on the woke political left, trying to, I guess, just convince people that they didn't lock kids out of school. Absolutely. If you actually go back to a lot of the USA Today affiliate publications, of which the Indianapolis Star is one of them, and you you take a look at what was going on in August of 2020, you actually saw the Trump administration come out before the country and say, it is time to get kids back into schools. There are disastrous effects, we believe keeping kids out of schools and uh, he was lambasted the uh, his administration's department of education was lambasted they were called horrible evil grandma killers uh, there were even some local school boards that said so and then you actually have school board candidates uh, or not candidates excuse me sitting school board members like michelle fullhart over in hamilton southeastern that said there are no long-term negative effects of keeping kids locked out of schools there's no problem to this so not only can the democrats not decide what actual approach they're running on, what version of history they're going to try to tell us happened, uh, but they're still refusing to own up to the terrible lockdowns they endorsed that they brought forward and that harmed kids more than probably any education decision in U.S. history. Tony, I want to get your thoughts on what we're seeing here in Indiana with uh, the school board races, because we've had conversations the last couple of weeks leading up to the midterms here about whether or not 
you should have to identify yourself as a Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, whatever, on the ballot. It's not the case in Indiana, but a lot of people would really like to know which side of the political scale you're on. When we have these conversations, some of the Indiana Democrats, they get their panties in such a twist, in such a wad, but now you've got some of the Indiana Democrats doing a fundraiser for school board candidates. Do do I understand this correctly? Yeah. So Jennifer McCormick, former state superintendent and a very ardent Democrat, has been ranting and railing for the last couple of months. Again, an article in USA Today talking about how dangerous it is that Republicans and by really which they mean parents, because a lot of parent groups formed by not just Republicans, but former Democrats, current Democrats, politically homeless individuals, independents that simply want a lot of change in schools. They want to shake up the status quo. They want to try to see if different things might work for their kids, returning to academics, etc. And they've put a lot of effort and time into school board races because they understand that change happens first locally. And it's amazing to see the teachers unions, which have been pumping tens of millions of dollars into education lobbying every single year for decades, coupled with the Indiana Democrats, which are now sending Jennifer McCormick, who just wrote an article saying how bad it was. Jennifer McCormick is now going on behalf of the Indiana Democrats to these fundraisers for these left-leaning school board events in Hamilton Southeastern, in Carmel. It's amazing to see as, as soon as the article gets out there, she completely runs and does the exact opposite. It is the most blatant form of hypocrisy. Got a couple minutes left here with Tony Kennett, Chalkboard Review. We'll go elsewhere. What everybody's talking about today is the debate in Pennsylvania, the Senate debate between Dr. Oz and John Fetterman. Oh, my God. I, I thought it was, um, I, it was cringeworthy. I had to turn it off. I, I found part of myself feeling very bad for Fetterman and uh, disgusted with the Democrats for rolling him out there and propping him up, using him as a vessel for uh, uh, you know votes in the Senate uh, if he gets elected. What did you think? Uh, I think you're exactly right. And it's incredibly bothersome to me uh, to watch individuals like Fetterman, like President Biden, be carted out onto the, you know, the national stage here. And it's clear they can't speak. It's clear that there's some serious cognitive or at least some associative mental issues going on. And it's troublesome. First of all, in a medical sense, it's very troubling. I don't care who you are. No one should be shoved onto a stage and mocked as some kind of a political prop. But also, it speaks very negatively to this party, the Democrat Party, which claims to be the party that cares, that claims to be the party that stands against all of these things that the big bad right wing is trying to do. And then they they prop up these clearly you know, mentally troubled individuals up there or physically troubled. I don't mean mentally troubled as in crazy in this in this particular instance. Uh, But it's it's horrible. I mean, the man could not put together a sentence. Uh, President Biden can't put together a sentence. And I'm like you. I had to shut it off. Luckily, it was near the end of the debate. But looking back over some of these quotes, I I cannot believe this is where we are, that we're putting together these candidates that should be at home resting with family. 
and yet we're propping them up because we're terrified Republicans might have the Senate. It's right. pathetic. So, Tony, let me jump in here. And, and Nige, you can get in on this, too, because I might be the Lone Ranger here. I don't feel bad for John Fetterman. I don't. I'm tired of feeling bad. This is a dude that's out there. Whether or not his wife is making him go or whatever, he's going to choose my health care. He's going to be the one that wants to vote for radical, ridiculous bullcrap. I'm sorry he had a stroke. I hope he gets better. But he He's not going to feel bad for me. So why in the blue hell should I feel bad for this guy? He's out there. He's fair game. He wants to be one of the 100 most powerful people in this country. Am I a horrible person? Because I don't feel bad. No. And here's why. Because it's exactly like you said, that once you have put yourself out there, come what may. I don't recall a lot of individuals when Trump was in the hospital for COVID or whatever, or in isolation, you know, wishing his good health. I don't recall a lot of individuals uh, giving anyone else any kind of leeway when Representative Scal- or excuse me, when Scalise was shot uh, during the congressional baseball game, I don't remember a lot of people giving you know their their tut tuts and and warm feelings towards him. And in this case, as far as Fetterman is concerned, Fetterman is bringing this on himself by continuing to run and asserting that he is fine. So if if you get out there and you say, Hey, look, I'm actually, I'm fine. Then you open yourself up to criticism. Okay. Well, if you're fine, then what's, then, then what's the problem with us, you know, asking you what on earth is wrong with your, your speech pattern here. It's not as though he has a stutter. That man is mentally and verbally unfit to hold office in Pennsylvania. And in the meantime, what is Dr. Oz supposed to do? He's being painted as a bully. But, like, you know, I don't know what else you're supposed to do except go out there and debate and ask questions and follow up. Exactly. I don't I don't understand. He can't answer simple questions. Yeah. I mean, he was asked about his flip-flopping on fracking, which is very important to a lot of Pennsylvanians. And he simply stood there for in complete silence. For seven, eight seconds, which is eternity when you're on the air. Right. And then he slowly, quietly started to mutter in this weird repetition, I have always supported fracking over and over again. And it, it was there's an element to that where it's sad because empathetically, if that were my family member, yes, I would hate that for them. But also again, hammer, it's like you said, they have decided to step out into public discourse. You can be rest assured. If I got on TV and I made some kind of botched statement somewhere, people would be criticizing me and making fun of me for it. That's just the nature of the game. If anybody wants more information on what you do with chalkboard review, or if they have questions for you, what's the best thing they can do? You should go to chalkboardreview.com, sign up for the newsletter so you get all of our access and information. However, you can find me over on Twitter at Zatonis. And any other questions you have, my DMs are open, and I am always excited to have a chat. Tony Kennett, thank you so much. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, gentlemen. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. And we're back. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. So the world's dirtiest man has officially passed away. Nope, Nigel's still very much alive. Right here. Hello. But the world's dirtiest man passed away in Iran this past week at the age of 94. He had not bathed in more than 60 years, Nigel. Why? He believed that soap and water would make him sick. But a few months ago, the villagers, they persuaded him to take a bath for the first time. Guess what happened? He died. He got sick. He was right. <laughs> Always listen to your gut. Always listen to your instincts. If you think soap and water are going to kill you, don't do it. Don't shower. <laughs> Look, he gave into peer pressure after 60 years of not bathing, and now he's, he's you know, he's pizza. 
He's taking a big dirt nap. He's pushing up daisies because he took a shower. The what's, world's dirtiest man. What's the longest you ever gone without a shower? I mean, it's like lately, it's probably been two, two or three days. Two days probably at the most for me in any recent stretch. Yeah, I have days. to have a shower to get going, so I probably say yeah. two days tops, and that's worst case scenario skin, of me. My skin gets all flaky and dry. I just, and I, I get cold and brittly, and yeah. I want to have a shower, and I want it to be 500 damn degrees in there. Exactly. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Hello, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. It's actually a pretty compelling night full of political debates. I'm not just talking about uh, Pennsylvania, the Senate race, Fetterman versus Oz. I'm talking about some gubernatorial debates, uh, Witchmer versus Tudor Dixon in Michigan. <laughs> Did I catch a Witchmer? <laughs> Did I I say Whitmer? Yes, that's what I meant. <laughs> Whitmer. Uh, Big Gretch, as I like to call her. And then uh, in New York, uh, the, the governor's debate, uh, Zeldin versus unelected Governor Kathy. The Hochul crime was a hot topic in the New York debate. Here's a little bit of that. This governor, who still to this one, we're halfway through the debate. She still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. Okay. Anyone who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important. You. <laughs> whoa, no, whoa, whoa! I don't know why talking about crime and locking people up is so important to you. I mean, this might be the. I mean, this might just give you a glimpse of what Democrats think as a whole in this country and what uh, people are concerned with. Now they're concerned with Roe v. Wade. Why do you keep on talking about people uh, getting locked up? Why is this such a big concern yeah. to you? Why is it such a big concern of the state? Because if you poll a lot of folks from New York. Depending on where they live, they'll tell you crime is number one, and then it's inflation number two. If you live in the city, if you live in the Bronx, if you live in one of the boroughs, they might tell you crime is paramount compared to everything else. So that's the mindset of a Democrat right there. That just kind of lets you in on a little bit. Why, why, why are you even worried about that? Why are you always wanting to talk about that? I understand why you don't want to talk about it, Kathy Hochul. Right. I understand why it's an issue for Democrats in uh, blue cities that crime rate is through the roof. I totally get Nancy Nancy Pelosi said she doesn't want to talk about inflation and they need to change the subject. I understand why Democrats don't want to talk about the things that are most concerning to Americans right now. I get it. So that was happening in New York, but in Michigan, again, as Nige pointed out, you had the challenger. Tudor Dixon, she's the Republican, and the champion, Big Gretch, she's the incumbent, Gretchen Whitmer. And here's a little bit of the back and forth that went on last night. Tudor Dixon, listen to her answer on the CDC recommending that uh, the COVID vax be required in schools. Yeah, I want to be very clear about this. This is a parent's decision. There will never be a mandate for the COVID-19 vaccine for children to go to school in a Dixon administration. I'm anxious to hear what Gretchen Whitmer has to say because she was forcing the vaccine on people. You remember her program, Vax to Normal? You could only get your liberties and freedoms back if you got your neighbor vaccinated. She will likely push this on your children. I want you to know that I will never push the COVID-19 vaccine on your children. That is your choice, and it will always be your choice as long as I am your governor. 
So that was Tudor Dixon's answer. Fire right there. But like Gretchen Whitmer, the Gretch that stole Christmas, she got a chance to respond as well. No, I do not support requiring the COVID vaccine for children. Sure. Well, let's talk about COVID. It hit our state hard. It hit this community incredibly hard. We had hospitals that were full. We had morgues that were full. We had refrigerated trucks outside of hospitals because we didn't even have enough masks for our doctors and didn't have a place to put deceased people. We made quick decisions to save lives, and studies show we saved thousands. I am proud of that. But while I was getting death threats, saving lives during COVID. From the FBI? My opponent was sowing <laughs> conspiracy theories. She was saying that kids couldn't get impacted. No need for masks. She even said vaccines carried the mark of the beast and government trackers. It's that kind of foolishness that actually endangers people. If she had been governor during COVID, thousands more people would have died. If that were at all true, why would I have gotten the vaccine myself? The governor is being dishonest once again, but that's what you do when you don't have policies to run on, when you killed more seniors than almost any other state, when you were told to stop the policy, but you kept it going. Yeah, I mean, uh, Whitmer's one of those governors, just like uh, the love gov Cuomo, that was shoving COVID-positive elderly patients back into nursing homes when clearly they were passing it along to other people. It's so contagious. She is the one that was killing people during COVID by having those policies about not keeping them uh, out of the nursing homes and into the hospitals. And when she told you, you couldn't go to the funeral of your loved ones, but she was the first one to go out and oh, eat please. at a restaurant, yeah. shove tables together yeah. and try to get the boat out. Don't tell me that that was just some sort of joke that your husband tried to do. You tried to get your boat out. You got busted. So it looks like Tudor Dixon is still closing the gap a little bit in this governor's race. Gretchen still leads if you buy the polling, but it's gotten really close. Here's a little bit more from last night with a straight face. Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, says that uh, kids were only out of school three months. We've also had some historic challenges over the last few years, I think, to put it lightly. You know, Mrs. Dixon says that I kept students out longer than any other state. That's just not true. I worked closely with my Republican and Democratic governors, and kids were out for three months. Just three months, huh? Mm. Well, let's mm, see how Tudor Dixon true. responds. Sure, I just heard an audible gasp around town when Gretchen Whitmer said that kids were out of school for three months. Perhaps she wasn't paying attention to what was actually happening. Even We even had schools that were closed this year. This is shocking to me that she thinks that schools were only closed for three months. Or maybe she thinks she can convince you that schools were only closed for three months. But you know better because your students are the ones that are desperately behind. And the test scores show that she's being dishonest about this. She's being dishonest about... Even trying to get into these schools to get these schools back on track. So this is what I've noticed, whether it's the Michigan debate, whether it's, you know, the Georgia debates, whatever. Democrats know that the lockdowns are polling terribly. So they're just going to throw crap against yeah. the wall and see if it sticks. And they're going to say that it was the Republicans fault. And do you really believe that somebody like Whitmer, who did uh, shut down heavy draconian lockdowns uh, during 2020, does anybody believe that she would be against uh, mandating vaccines for kids? She'd be all in. Yeah, she. of course. Of course she would. I mean, she fired people. People lost their jobs. People lost their livelihoods because of her mandates. And I don't believe for a second that she wouldn't entertain that notion.
Uh, Mondo, let's do a round of Is It Racist? Oh, it's time to play Is It Racist? Now, for those who may be new to the Hammer and Nigel show, here to explain how we play is AOC. Is it racist? Is something racist? Yes or no? So, your president, Nige, Joe Biden, 80 million plus legal votes, Joe Biden said that uh, those extra fees on airlines for extra legroom, they mainly affect black people. What? Some airlines, if you want six more inches between you and the seat in front, you pay more money. But you don't know it until you purchase your ticket. Look, folks, these are junk fees. They're unfair and they hit marginalized Americans the hardest, especially low-income folks and people of color. (laughs) The only, first of all, it's it's BS. They every airline charges for seats um, that have extra legroom, and the only seats that have extra legroom in most of the planes I've ever flown are the emergency exit rows, maybe first class. Right? Is it's, Joe Biden traveling with every NBA team? Is that what he's talking about? Like that's the most you, idiotic thing I've ever heard. You pay extra to get on Southwest first. Like, because there's no assigned seats, you get on first and you can pick your seats and yeah, you can go to the emergency exit rows and there's a little more room there. That is, that is pandering. That is, that is race baiting right and there. Listen, and it's worst. The airlines, they will screw you over regardless of your they race. They nickel and yeah, they nickel and dime you to death, whether it's uh, charging for a little bit extra leg room or taking on an extra carry-on right it doesn't matter if you're white black hispanic if the airlines think they can get some more money from you they will absolutely shake you down those pesky racist emergency exit rows (laughs) that only affect the black community uh we got one more is it racist for you nige this is a, a tiktok video gone viral there's a school music teacher claiming that classical music is racist and teaching it is white supremacy. The fact that classical music, which is really the music of 18th century Western European cis straight white male composers, is valued as the highest form of art music in America is an example of white supremacy. Those who go to college to study music will spend countless hours studying music theory, Western music history, and more. And most schools only have one class requirement or no class requirements for world music. This means that educators are woefully unprepared to meet the standards of understanding global interdisciplinary and 21st century connections with music. But in the meantime, those who are music educators have to struggle and wrestle with the question, how can I be actively anti-racist in teaching music in a system that values white supremacy? Beethoven is racist? Racist. Horrible racist. Bach? Horrible racist. Well, I'm not even talking about the person i'm just talking about their music (laughs) i have no idea this is the most uh, i i would say it's the most insane thing i've ever heard but i heard joe biden speak earlier in the break so (laughs) i can't really say that but uh this is the kind of content again on tiktok somebody asked me if i had a tiktok account i'm like no i don't have a tiktok account because this is the kind of ridiculous stuff that you get uh, on that platform let's go to another educator and find out what they think let's go to billy madison's principal what you just said (laughs) is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard at no point in your rambling incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it (laughs) Emma and Nigel presents is 
It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I got crap to run by you. You tell us if it's anything or not. All right. It's that simple. Is this anything? A Minnesota man is facing charges after accidentally shooting himself in the leg with a concealed gun while coming out of a corn maze. Of course. Apparently, he was trying to get corn out of his boots (laughs) when his firearm went off. Here is a witness and an officer talking about the situation. All of a sudden, I heard this bang, and I thought it was fireworks or something. Everybody was having a good time. The kids were laughing and playing and having a ball, you know, and then that happens, and, you know, it was really upsetting. He was removing corn kernels from his boot by bending over at the waist, and that's when the firearm discharged. Yeah, maybe you're carrying it for personal protection, but you also have to think about the people around. You have that responsibility to make sure that you're making good decisions and that you have the equipment and that you're conducting your yourself to keep everybody safe exactly you have that responsibility i'm for open carry i'm for carrying a gun wherever uh you're allowed to carry a gun i'm i'm for carrying a gun for uh self-defense but these are the kinds of stories that make guy relford the gun guy uh put his palm to his head and shake <laughs> uh, just these are like the, the, the sorts of uh, the irresponsible stories that make responsible gun owners look kind of bad right it's kind of like the movie eight mile eminem was a responsible young man was he and cheddar bob his friend (laughs) was a little careless with his firearm and shot himself with his own gun (laughs) thus making mr marshall mathers aka b rabbit look like he's a little less uh professional than he should so you want to take your gun uh concealed gun into a haunted house or some sort of corn maze. Okay, just make sure it's not stuffed in the like the back of your pants, like some Hollywood movie. Right? Could you could you could a brother get a holster <laughs> with a strap on it or something? Right. And you don't have to tilt your gun sideways like Ice Cube used to do. You can hold it straight up. It's okay. What do you mean tilted side? What do you like when you're pointing it at somebody? Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. every gangster rap video that I watched growing up, everybody had their gun and they turned it sideways because what? That could make the bullet go faster. You always miss if you're a if, if you're some sort of gangster and you hold your gun sideways like this. Ninety nine percent of the time, you miss your target because <laughs> that's not the way you're supposed to do it. No, no. The, even even the gangsters need uh, gun uh, control, uh, gun safety uh, classes from Guy Guy Relford. So, what do you think would happen <laughs> if we sent a copy of? Uh, uh, Guy Relford's gun safety for dummies <laughs> to like Snoop Dogg. What do you think would happen? What would the response be? Yeah. Is this anything? A great grandmother out of Oakland saved another senior citizen from being robbed in broad daylight, armed only with her orthopedic cane. Here is Miss Faye talking about why she had no fear of being an impromptu crime fighter. Fear never crossed my mind because I'm crazy, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's just something that's in my nature. I do things that doesn't bother me until maybe a couple hours later. That's the way I've always been. I like her. I like her uh, attitude, but it just makes me shake my head and feel sorry for people in these crime-ridden cities, Democrat-run cities that have to put up with that crap. A great-grandma. Right, it has to has to defend somebody uh, with her cane so they don't jack her purse. 
It happens in, I mean, it's happening in New York. People pushing other uh, victims off the subway, carjackings skyrocketing in Chicago, more uh, violence here in Indianapolis, and uh, and great grandmas having to beat the crap out of criminals because they're stealing their purse in the middle of the day. It just, this is what people are concerned about in the midterm elections, this kind of thing right here. You mean it's not January 6th? It's, it's uh, it, well, actually, I'm sorry, it's Roe v. Wade, and then it's crime. Thank you, thank you. Now, from the other perspective here, I don't know if this guy that tried to do this is in a gang or not, but for argument's sake, let's say that it was a gang member. How do you go back to your gang and say, yeah, I didn't get the money because it was a grandma and she had a cane? <laughs> like, are the other bloods, or the other crips looking at you like, wait a minute, she was 90 years old, all she had was a cane? You lose your street cred. Right. For you have sure. to turn your bandana in at that point. You have that's, to go get a real job. That's how these cowards operate. They don't, you know, they don't look at, they don't target some guy that looks like Guy Relford. They don't target the big badasses that are walking around. They target the fragile elderly that they know they can get over on. And this guy didn't. And I'm, I, I wish you would have shot him. I wish you would have had one of those like James Bond kind of canes. Oh, like, there's a man. Gun, there's a gun at the end of the, <laughs> she says to squeeze a button on the cane and bullets shoot out of it. Okay. I take everything back. You're allowed to hold that sideways. Yeah, okay. If you've got the cane gun, you are totally allowed to hold that sideways. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Yeah, I heard uh, the bottom of the hour newscasts. Uh, they were talking about the, the state police. I remember the story. In April, the uh, police in Washington County found a suitcase uh, with the body of a small child in it. Nobody had any idea who this child was, where they came from, what this child's name was. Uh, the child obviously was deceased, and it it took a lot of months and a lot of uh, investigation, a lot of investigative work, and uh, we now have the identity. It's really sad, man. This is awful. The little boy, five-year-old Cairo Jordan, uh, was from Atlanta. He would have been six years old this week, actually. And the Indiana State mm. Police have announced the arrest of one woman and a warrant for the mother of Cairo Jordan. Uh, the mother, also from Atlanta, her name is Dewan Anderson, and she is wanted for murder and currently being sought by police. So, again, this was like a... I think it had Las Vegas or something on it. It was like a Las Vegas suitcase they just happened to find. And when they opened it up, it was the unfortunate discovery of a deceased young male, a five-year-old. And again, the mom on the lam right now. So DeJuan Anderson of Atlanta wanted for murder, being sought by police. But now at least we know the name of the child and those who loved uh Cairo can get a little bit of closure on that. Update on a story we've been talking quite a bit about. So Republican candidate Jen Ruth Green up from northern Indiana. She is a veteran. She is a black woman and she is a survivor of sexual assault. We know this because Politico, specifically the reporter Adam Wren, ran this story about her outing her as a survivor of sexual assault. After she begged him not to do it. Correct. 
Now, how, how did these records even get out anyway? I mean, that's supposed to be something that's very confidential in the military. Well, Politico claims that they obtained this records via a public records request. However, the Air Force today is saying something totally different. Today, the Air Force announced that they were leaked. Her public records, I'm sorry, her private records were leaked to an opposition research firm. So in summary here, the Air Force put out a statement saying they identified the leaker of Jen Ruth Green's military records and that they were leaked to an opposition research firm, meaning that story from Politico was total crap, a bold-faced lie. Wait a minute, you're saying a story that Adam Wren wrote is a bunch of crap? 100%. I mean, she she begged this this loser, quote-unquote, journalist not to give specific intimate details. I thought those kinds of things were supposed to be confidential. Uh, please don't put that stuff out there. Please, I don't want my family knowing about this. And Adam Wren, who usually writes about the best places to get a tenderloin in Indy right. from, the, from the Indianapolis Monthly. Or outing himself on Twitter as a pencil neck, which happened before. <laughs> usually the headline from an Adam Wren story reads, 10 best restaurants for fried pickles. <laughs> Because he wrote for the monthly for a little while. And uh, the last yeah. time we heard from this little weenie is when Greg Garrison hurt his feelings. And he talked oh, about that's right. an yeah, anonymous yeah, pencil yeah. neck yeah, intern. I forgot about that. We didn't know who he was talking about. And then this little wiener blank goes on Twitter and complains about it, basically outing himself as the pencil neck. And listen, scumbag representative Frank Marvin, you're the same here you knew exactly what was going on here don't give me this public records request crap you're a scumbag marvin the air force they know who it was and i hope that they're really taking some disciplinary matters into their hands that leaked this out but politico you guys lied to everybody you let adam wren run with this story outing a woman for sexual assault because you disagreed with her politics what the hell is wrong with you people? Um, last night, everybody's still talking about it. The Pennsylvania Senate debate. This was the first time that a lot of people had a chance to see John Fetterman. He's leading in the polls, if you buy into that kind of stuff. His opponent is well-known uh, TV Dr. Oz, Mehmet Oz. They're vying to become the senator from Pennsylvania. The current senator is retiring. It's going to be wide open. And we kept hearing that Fetterman's not right, right? He had a stroke. He can't really communicate. This poor reporter from NBC News oh, yeah. sat down with her, sat down with him and said, hey, he can't have casual conversations. And she was raked over the coals for that. Well, she provided the interviewer. That was from NBC, right? Yes. She's at NBC and they provided teleprompters and, and extra um, uh, things for him to facilitate that interview that she did with him. Dasha Burns was her okay. name. And the left went at Dasha Burns, said, basically, you need sensitivity training. You don't know what you're talking about because she has two eyes and she could see that Fetterman's not well. Well, last night we got to see this for ourselves. I think this was broadcast on News Nation. I found a YouTube stream and we watched this. Fetterman's not well. And he stumbled all through his answers. And yes, a lot of that could be the stroke, but you bring this up all the time. His policies stink. His policies are awful. He... 
he, I mean, look, he wants to free, like, second-degree murderers. He's, he's on the record as saying that. He wants to abolish cash bail, decriminalize drugs, cancel pipelines. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Plus the fact that, I, I'm sorry, you're saying he's not well, but that's not what we've been told. We've been told he's okay. We've been told by his doctor that he signed off on, who actually donated his campaign, but, you know, everything's fine with him. He's able to perform the duties of a senator, of being one of the most 100 His inner leaders. circle are the only ones that have been saying but that. But yet, all of a sudden, with our own eyes and ears, we see that, uh, no, something's wrong. And when you say that, you're labeled as a bully or an ableist, whatever right. that means. Listen, the United States Senate... There's only going to be 100 of them. These are some of the most powerful men and women in the world, not just in our country, but in the world. You can't just put a dude there because you feel bad for him. And I'm wondering what some of these independent or undecided voters in Pennsylvania thought about last night. We heard from a few of them. Here is one that decided to uh, jump on with Fox News. I got to tell you, it was very, very difficult to watch. Uh, John Fetterman clearly presented that he's not physically capable of serving in the U.S. Senate. Um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a registered independent, and I, generally debates are not for the ideologues, right? They're for the people that are somewhere in the middle and really want to hear from the candidates. And I don't know how anybody in their right mind who are in the middle, like me, could possibly vote for John Fetterman. It was unbelievable. I feel sorry for him that uh, that his campaign and his family put him in that position. Um, it, it was just it was really really difficult to to watch. So that was a guy that said that he's you know basically in the middle I going into that. I agree with a lot of what he said. That was a hard hard thing to watch. I had to turn it off just it was because I mean just. Uh, Purely from humanitarian, on a humanitarian uh, tarian side, like it's just humanity. For God's sake, this guy is not well, and he's being put up there. He's being propped up by the Democratic Party and his wife and his campaign uh, as a vessel just to vote. However, Chuck Schumer tells him. So that was on Fox, and I know what people are going to say. Well, of course, he's going to say that on Fox. Here is Chris Cuomo. Here's Fredo talking on News Nation, which lately has been veering more and more left when you look at who some of their hosts are. Ashley Banfield, Chris Cuomo. Here's another reaction to what they saw with Fetterman last night. So I was definitely, uh, I'm an independent, by the way, I was definitely leaning towards Fetterman, and I think I have totally changed to the Oz side. I felt that um, Fetterman, I felt that Fetterman just looked like he didn't have command of the facts. I do think his condition, unfortunately, is going to affect his ability to do the job. I thought Oz... Uh, was pretty clear on the issues, um, and I thought he presented himself well and uh, definitely threw out some plans where I didn't see any plans coming out of Fetterman. Because he couldn't articulate them, because he is not well, despite what you're being told by mainstream media and his campaign and his wife and his doctor. There is a newspaper in Philadelphia, I believe it's the Philadelphia Inquirer, that said Fetterman won that debate last night. (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. Anybody with two eyes that's not completely in the tank for one political party or the other can tell you that that was 
Not even close. That was a blowout last night. The Colts beat the Titans over the weekend. Did you know that? (laughs) Right. According to the Philadelphia Inquirer. (laughs) Sure. All right. We haven't done this yet this campaign season, but uh, I think it's time. I've always said... If somebody wants to hire me to be a freelance writer of these negative campaign ads, I think I would be really good at it. So we're going to write one on the spot about one of our amazing listeners. So if you would like to have me write a negative campaign ad about you, be caller number nine right now. 239-9393. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to get some information. And then because there's no off switch on this genius panel, I will spit out an immediate negative campaign ad about you. Now, if you can't take a joke, maybe this isn't for you. But if you want me to write a negative campaign ad about you, you have to be caller number nine right now. 239-9393. All right, we've got uh, caller number nine standing by right now, Uh, Caleb. Caleb, how are you doing? Hey, Nigel Hammer, my most masculine dudes. I'm doing great. How about you guys? Fantastic. Now, here's what's going to happen, Caleb. You and I are going to chat. Nigel's going to ask you some questions. I'm going to ask you some questions. We're going to get some information. And then when this is all said and done, we're going to have a negative campaign ad commercial on our show about you. Is that cool? That is awesome. Okay, now you can't get all upset. You can't go get in your feelings. Uh, it's a negative ad, so you, you take the good with the bad here. So, with that being said, Caleb, what's your last name? Mathis. Mathis, okay. And where are you from? What city? Uh, Bedford, Indiana. Bedford, okay. All right. And uh, how old are you, Caleb? I'm 24. Okay, all right. Uh, what do you do for a living, Caleb? I'm a VRF technician. It's a form of uh, air conditioning and heating. Okay. Are you uh, are you married, Caleb? Are there little Caleb's running around? Yes, just one, seven months old. Oh, congratulations! Okay. And before you bet, uh, before you met Baby Mama, how many uh, women were there before her in your life? Uh, that would be zero. Oh, you uh, you married the uh, the first one. Wait, I thought you said kids before. No, no, no. no, no, no. no. Nigel's mean, asking how many... How many one-night stands have you had before your right. baby mama? Oh, no one-night stands, but third time's a charm, so she was the third. Okay, okay. I was one of those goody two-shoes that waited, so... Uh, have you ever been arrested for anything, Caleb? No, but I have got a uh, ticket for pulling across the grass in a state park. <laughs> okay. Uh, have you ever smoked weed before, Caleb? Nope. No smoking. Uh, do you have any pets of any kind? Uh, no, sir. Uh, when was the last time you were naked in public, Caleb? Uh, I'd say when I was born, probably. Okay. And How many beers have you drank in one sitting? Uh, seven. Okay. I think we got enough information here. Nigel, you need anything else? Do we really? I think we got something. I can make this work. Okay. Good All luck. right. Uh, put Caleb on hold, Mondo. Okay. And uh, I'm going to run with this. All right. So we're going to act like Caleb is running for the Senate. All right. He's All right. trying to steal maybe Fetterman's uh, mojo a okay. little bit. Hit the music. <laughs> you want Caleb Mathis for U.S. Senate. Let's just look at the facts. In 24 years... 
Caleb has never attended one damn meeting of the Bedford City Council. <laughs> Zero. Not one. And sure, while he hasn't attended many of those meetings, maybe he's been spending too much time at Brad's Brass Flamingo. Can he deny that? Has he spoken publicly about that? Caleb wants you to believe he works as a VRS tech, but what he doesn't want you to know is the equipment comes from China. Oh. You don't like China, do you? <laughs> And he acts like Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. One child, a perfect marriage. But what about those two other women who claim that the Caleb experience was nothing but smoke and mirrors? And speaking of smoke, do you want to trust a man who's never tried weed? Do you trust him? I don't. Caleb Mathis, bad for Bedford, bad for the U.S. Senate. There it is. There is a negative Bravo. campaign ad Sorry, on the Caleb. fly. Caleb, does that work for you? Oh, heck yeah. I wouldn't vote for myself right now. <laughs> I mean, that's Although, just so you know, I have been at a county council meeting or two. So I don't believe you. I think you're spending all that time at Brad's Brass Flamingo, Caleb. Thank you for being a good sport. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. I was glad to see Daryl Brooks, the uh, murderous scumbag, found guilty first-degree intentional homicide in the Waukesha Christmas Parade Massacre. Guilty six counts of intentional first-degree murder, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, my question for you, Hammer, is this guy, you know, killed a bunch of white people running them over with his car. Will the Biden Department of Justice charge him with a hate crime? Why hasn't he been charged with a hate crime? This is a minority perpetrating a murderous act on multiple white people. Because I, they were white. And that's what we've heard about this lunatic, Daryl Brooks. It wasn't like he was just looking to kill people and they happened to be white. He wanted to kill white people and he went to this parade on Christmas Day and killed six people, including a child. Okay, so hate, hate crime then. It should be. But now we wait on the Biden Department of Justice. Does anybody have any faith that they're going to slap a hate crime charge on Daryl Brooks? There's there's part of me that says hate crimes, you know, a crime is a crime. Murder is murder. Why in the world is a guy going to get a stiffer sentence um, for punching a minority than he would punching me out? You know I agree I mean? with like, you. Like, there's there's an argument to be made about the whole idea of hate crimes. If you're going to have hate crimes, I mean, use it properly. Use it consistently. Right. If it's it, going to exist, right, we can argue about whether or not right. there yeah. is such a thing as a hate crime. Uh, but if it exists the way that it does now, then this absolutely should be a hate crime. And I'm waiting patiently to see what the Biden Department of Justice wants to do this, here. This Brooks guy was his own... Is that acting as his own attorney. The whole thing was a circus to begin with, staring down, intimidating the judges uh, in this uh, constant outburst in the courtroom, you know, cross-examining police officers that were there. Like, I remember at one point, this idiot was like, do you see the person in the courtroom that was uh, driving the vehicle? And the officer just looked at him and said, yeah, it was you. <laughs> and it was- Do you think he was trying to play the insane card? Uh, probably. 
Yeah, I think so. Because at one point he was like trying to take off his shirt and he's yelling things. And I think he had to be removed from the courtroom today. As a matter of fact, as they were reading the verdict, there were some uh, family members that were yelling some things out too. The oh, and man. I would be one of those family yeah, members. I would, too. I would absolutely. I'd probably get myself in trouble. Like, I don't know how some of these families have the grace and the civility they have. Uh, we talked about that with the uh, father of Samaria last week. She was a victim in the FedEx shooting. Yes. And it was so powerful that they the family reached out to the shooter's family. Yes, they had compassion and sympathy and empathy for the the shooter's family, who, by all accounts, did everything right in trying to get guns removed from the shooters uh, and put get them on, on the red flag list. They did everything right in the, that account. And, and um, yeah, their their level of forgiveness for his family was just was, was stunning to me. It's something we talked about. You could go back and listen to it at WIBC.com. I I, I know for a fact I would have a real hard time with that. Oh, I would, too. Uh, no question. So, again, the big story today is what took place in Pennsylvania last night, the U.S. Senate debate. And, again, for those who don't follow this stuff closely, and you're asking yourself, I live in Indiana. Why do I give a blue rat's rear end about what's sure. happening in Pennsylvania? These are the people that are trying to control your health care, your border, uh, what we do economically in this country. So, yes, you might not live in Pennsylvania, but if they put through an absolute lunatic into the Senate, it will then be your problem. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be your problem if this guy votes for a crazy, oppressive climate change law. It's going to be your problem uh, if he votes to cancel pipelines and fracking. So, Fetterman and Oz. Uh, Oz, the Republican. Fetterman, the uh, radical progressive Democrat. And I think what's getting lost in a lot of this is that his policies, I mean... Obviously, his performance was embarrassing, not entirely his fault, although, I mean, he does have free will. I mean, it's not like Fetterman was had a gun to his head and was forced to get out there on stage. But um, after the stroke, he just obviously it was one of the most embarrassing things uh, and performances in a debate I've ever seen. Again, not entirely his fault because of um, the the conditions of his mental or physical capacity. So here's an example of what we're talking about. Uh, so Fetterman's got a history of being a flip flopper when it comes to fracking. Now, if you live in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, the fracking industry is a big sure. talking yeah. point. It'd be like if you're talking farming in Indiana. That's what they do in Pennsylvania. And Fetterman has been speaking out of both sides of his rear end for a number of years, and he was asked about it last night. I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking, but there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Uh, I, I I do support fracking, and I don't I don't I support fracking, and I stand and I do support fracking. What the hell was that? <laughs> no, you don't support fracking. You only support. You're only saying it, you support it now in a very awkward, jumbled way because uh, the energy crisis we're having in this country. You don't support fracking, first of all, and, and then second of all. Uh, why wouldn't he just say, look, I, I don't know what this interview is you're talking about. I'd have to go back. That was a few years ago. I've changed my mind. I didn't, you know, the war between Russia and Ukraine 
has has maybe changed my stance a little bit. He didn't say any of that. No, I don't know that he was capable of saying any of that, and that's what that's what troubles me. Well, be careful there, Nige, because you're going to be called an ableist. Remember, that's the new term right now. If you have a problem with John Fetterman not being able to speak, even though he wants to be one of the most 100 powerful people in this country, you're an ableist. Okay. Man, whatever. Tim Young on Twitter, quote, if Fetterman were a Republican, this debate would be a Saturday Night Live cold open. It seriously would. (laughs) I mean, from the get-go. Hey, hello, good night. What did he say? He said, hello and good night. That was his opening phrase. Right there, you knew things were going completely off the rails, and he'd only been talking for about 10 seconds. Uh, so let's go to The View again. No. We watch this crap so you don't have we to. We have to. Sunny Hostin. She is what the kids would call a moron. Take a listen to what she has to say about Fetterman last night. It was really strange to me that he chose to bully a stroke victim. Yeah, right? Like he, was he talking about Dr. Oz? Talking about Dr. Oz here. Obviously was bullying him. And, um, you know, I don't think the people of Pennsylvania or the people in general um, liked that because Fetterman raised $1 million after that debate. And I think it takes real courage to show that you've been knocked down. I think it takes real bravery to allow people to see your weakness, right? Did they say the same thing about Herschel Walker? Did they say the same thing about Governor DeSantis uh, when he gave an answer that might not have been clear? Hell no, they didn't. They're trying to carry the water for this Frankenstein-looking goon that's up there. And the moderators were uh, enabling him, trying to cut him off in terms of you know trying to make it easier on him. I mean, the Democratic, uh, the Democrat establishment, corporate media is giving him every excuse in the book. I don't know how you can call Oz a bully when he's just sitting they're debating the guy. I don't know, a guy with a deficiency. Right. Uh, if you ask you him a question on crime and he answers, crayon, yes, <laughs> Dr. Oz is probably going to have questions about that. It doesn't make you a bully if you want some answers about what was coming out of that guy's mouth last night. Uh, Big Nige, the yes. countdown is on. Halloween coming up in just a few days. Monday. Uh, Halloween candy costing a lot more this year. Thanks, Biden. We'll get into that with the uh, coupon lady coming up here in just a moment. Uh, Forbes has an image of a pumpkin with a $100 bill sticking out of an evil smile yeah, right now. That. That's when you know it's bad that Forbes is is talking about how the cost of Halloween candy is through the roof. So here's our tribute to inflation affecting the price of Halloween candy. Oh, My no. experiments all seem to be going out of whack. So I took a break for a tasty snack. When suddenly I heard Frankenstein say, Holy crap, those M&Ms are up to $10 a bag. He needs some dash. He needs some monster cash. Some monster cash. Monster cash. To fill the children's sacks. He needs some dash. Dracula was starting to laugh. He needs some dash. Yes, we'll need a lot of cash. Inflation has come to Transylvania too. All the ghosts are crying boo-hoo. <laughs> the ghouls and goblins can't get us out of this mess. 20% more for 30% less. <laughs> we need some monster cash. <laughs> to fill the children's sacks. They need some cash. Dracula was starting to laugh. They need some cash. Yes, he needs some monster cash. There it is. Monster cash right. from Wonderful. Hammer and Nigel Records. 
You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Hello, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest of the DriveHubler.com hotline. She saves you money and... She's celebrating an anniversary today. Yeah. She is my better half, the crazy coupon lady, Crystal Hammer. Happy anniversary to you. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. 20 big ones? Is that, am I looking at this right? That is correct. Where did you, where, you guys met down in Tennessee? Nope. No, <laughs> met at Ball State. She, she was going State. to school at Tennessee at the uh, time. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Now, Crystal, I've had... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, we actually met on the chat house online. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. <laughs> online dating in its infancy. Onli- right. Yeah. Were you sending Definitely. each other nudes? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was kind of hard to do it back then. This was before, right. like, you know, like the iPhones and stuff. So that's when the internet was like the dial-up. Did, did Hammer, did right. your husband have game back then? Was he spitting game out on online? Uh, yeah, but I mean, there was other circumstances too. We actually had mutual friends, even though we didn't know each other. So okay. it was one of those. He he asked me out on a date, and I went to my friend and said, "Hey, you know, like, is this guy going to kill me?" And <laughs> <laughs> and the and the guy said, "No, you'll actually have a good time. He, uh, he's really funny. You'll have fun." So what? So are you guys? Is is Hammer taking you to Roost Chris tonight? Eagles Nest? What is it uh, going to be tonight? Saint Elmo's? You know where. I'm going to Strike Force Bowling Alley in Greenfield <laughs> with my oldest son. Okay. Chris has a bowling match tonight for the uh, school team. Yeah. You guys don't generally. Hammer's made it known. And uh, and I get it. You guys save the, the anniversary celebrations for on down the road, for vacations and stuff like that, right? Yeah. I mean, we just, I mean, I don't know. I've just never been the type of person that gets all gushy and mushy and it, that's just not me happy anniversary honey i love you like that's about all i need right thank god you're not one of these chicks that's like ooh, it's a special day coming up countdown to anniversary countdown to my birthday well i think my my wife and i are definitely and i'm looking forward to it too ours is november 15th it'll be 14 years i think but i like i like going out to a good dinner or something like i don't think there's anything wrong with that but uh uh, what should you rather have when, when Hammer gets home tonight? Uh, uh, a nice, expensive bottle of tequila or a dozen roses? Oh, I would definitely take the tequila over roses. Roses die. Right. See, this yeah. is why I love this woman. She doesn't okay. want to do all this fancy crap that a lot of these pan-in-the-ass chicks want to do. She doesn't want the roses because they'll die soon. Let's just take a trip to Florida and let's get hammered drunk. You know what, Crazy? Hey, by the way, Go ahead. if you want to know what the dinner is tonight for our anniversary, I just got done putting ham and beans in, in the crock pot. So there Wonderful. you go with cornbread. Dude, I'll oh, eat the hell out of some good. ham and beans, man. I'm all in. Crazy coupon lady, you had a post, I think it was a couple of days ago, and I looked at Hammer, I go, I was stunned at the amount of money that you had saved uh, with all the coupons and the rebates. It was something like you bought $178 worth of food for 100 bucks. Yeah. Or so. I was stunned. I mean, I looked at him and I go, man, this, this, she is crazy. I don't know how in the world you do this. <laughs> No, that was $178 worth of groceries that I got for $70. What? So Jeez. It was, it was some crazy deals, and um, I just I kind of lucked into that. Like, it was one day just sitting down going, okay, 
this is what I'm going to do. And I, it all worked out because I th- I thought to myself, this, there's no way this is going to work out the way I think it's going to, but sure enough, it did. Like I typed in my phone number at Kroger and even the cash register lady looked at me and goes, wow. And I was like, <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you've got the patience and again, it takes patience to sit down and do what you do. But if you're willing to make the commitment, you can save over a hundred bucks on a grocery haul. Yeah. It, it's just by looking at what is on sale um, at the store that you're going to go to. What is that weekly sale? Uh, Kroger to me is the one that I tend to go to more because one, it's convenient. And two, I think they have the best sales at times, but just using those sales and trying to match them up with some Ibotta or fetch rebates and boom. I mean, that's, that's how I do it. Now, if somebody, again, wants to learn how to do this, they've got a couple of options. They can follow you on social media, but you're teaching this class tomorrow. Is that still happening? It is still happening. I'm going to be teaching a class. at the. It's in Greensburg, um, and it's from 6 to 7 p.m. That's cool. Uh, the Green, Greensburg Bread of Life uh, Church. Um, I believe they posted yesterday that uh, spots were kind of limited because I think they were filling up. So if you don't have tickets to WIBC, a night out with WIBC, then come join me at, you know, my couponing class. And tailgate, too. Show up and bring some tequila and yell for the crazy coupon lady. All right, Crystal. uh, Halloween is coming up on Monday. We get into Halloween. We turn the music on. We got the blow-ups in the front yard. You got a fog machine? Uh, Don't have a fog machine. machine, I might have to invest in a fog machine. Uh, But we've also got to buy some candy because somebody possibly me, has eaten the candy that you've already brought home. Where can we find some deals on Halloween candy? Okay, so I've actually been searching for like the past week because honestly, man, the candy deals are far and few between, but I was able to find the um, fun-sized bars, the 10-ounce bags of Butterfingers, Crunch, or 100 grand. 100 grand is so underrated, by the way. Like, I know when you're talking about candy bars, nobody ever says 100 grand is their favorite, but damn, that thing is good. Yeah, and the last time I went out and bought the candy, I bought some of that, and that was the first time I've ever had any of those, and I think I might have ate that entire bag. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) I found them on sale at Target. These are the 10-ounce bags um, for $3.99, and there's an Ibotta rebate where you're going to get a dollar back per bag, so that makes them two ninety nine. I even did the math for you because also with that Ibotta rebate, it also goes towards the big assorted bag, which is a 32-ounce bag. But that bag is ten ninety nine with a dollar off, makes it nine ninety nine. And when I did the math, it, it was actually more expensive to buy the bigger bag. So um, definitely stick with the 10-ounce bags. You have a limit of five. You can get up to five bags. And where can people find you if they have any questions? And if they maybe want to try to sneak into this coupon class that you're doing, where can they get all that information? They can find me on any of the social media platforms. Just search for Crystal Hammer, spelled C-H-R-Y-S-T-A-L, just like the stripper. That's what I like to hear. Hey, happy anniversary, guys. Crystal, you're a saint for putting up with this guy that I'm sitting (laughs) across from for the past, what, two decades? 20 years of her being the luckiest woman alive, (laughs) Nige. I don't know, Nige. To be quite honest with you, he's, he's 
actually think to probably put up with me as well. So <laughs> it's, it's an even okay. It's an even split. I got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah. the crazy coupon lady and the bat crap crazy hillbilly from Beach Grove. <laughs> All right, Crystal. I'll talk to you tonight. All right, love you. Love you. Coming up next, Casey Daniels will join us in studio. The side piece that's coming up. Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Casey Daniels from the Kendall and Casey's Joe. Here to join us for the side piece. Casey, how are you? Hi. Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Feels like Uh, I've heard that before. Uh, channeling her inner Fetterman. Oh, <laughs> it's I do Fetter not. woman here today. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think one of the things that got lost last night in the Fetterman Oz debate is how well Oz performed. I, I thought mean, so too. He, he did well. Yes, I thought he made sense too. He sounded. I mean, <laughs> okay, the bar was exceptionally low. Right. All he had to do was string some words together to make a complete sentence, and he won. But I thought his actual content, what he was saying, made a lot of sense. He sounded very smart and well thought. Did he come off as a bully? Because I know the uh, chicken heads on The View, Mm -hmm. they're really concerned that Dr. Oz is this big, bad, O'Doyle rules bully, you know, (laughs) shoving around Fetterman because he's had a stroke. No, I don't think he sounded like a bully at all. I thought he sounded well-researched. He cited a lot of examples of when he was on the campaign trail people he had actually met. So, no, I don't think he was a bully at all. I did appreciate the fact, though, that he did call out Fetterman a few times, uh, asking him to clarify things that Fetterman, like the fracking, for example, you know, said... To answer the question. Right, and, you know, he said, oh, I'm standing with fracking now, and for years he wanted to ban fracking, and Fetterman was like, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, let's tell the truth right here, right now. So I thought it was a good thing. You don't see that often during a debate where one of them is saying, no, 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 Let's let's get the truth right here. Was it hard for you to watch? It was hard for me to watch. I had to turn. I, I had to eventually just kind of flip to another channel. It was so cringeworthy. It was, it was a it, it, it hard was bad, to watch. And, and it was it was. Um, I thought the Democrats as a whole, the people, his campaign needs to all stand up and resign and walk out for putting him out there well, like I that in that condition. Bad for him. Yeah, I did for too. A little bit, and then I felt angry towards his wife and the people around Thank him you. who are supposed to love him that let him go out and do that but then i went back to okay if it's someone you love and they've been working towards something for a long time and then they have this medical issue and it was five months ago he had the stroke and he's still wanting to go fight even though you know he's not up for it maybe she was kind of like okay it's his wish to keep doing it let's support him through this knowing that it was going to go badly. But seeing the way that he is, and everybody saw this last night that watched it, this wasn't what some reporter was telling you. We could see it with our own eyes. Mm -hmm. He's not okay. And he has not been okay for a long time. Mm -hmm. And by the time he gets sworn in in Congress, we're talking about, you know what, three months from right now? Mm -hmm. A little bit over three months. Is he going to be substantially better? I don't have the faith that he's going to. Why not just sit out get better Mm -hmm. you're still a young enough dude if you're fetterman you could run again down the line it feels like his wife is the one that's really pushing him for this Mm -hmm. well because she wants to be the de facto 
senator. I mean, even Biden said, you'll be a great addition to the Senate, Giselle. No, he called her Jill. Jill. <laughs> Not Giselle, Jill. You're right. a good senator, Jill. Right. Well, you know, he also called Kamala Harris the, uh, the, the president. president the so, um, <laughs> But I think that a lot of people, like Savannah Guthrie from NBC, owe that Dasha Burns an apology. This was the reporter who met with Fetterman and said that he couldn't even do small talk. Well, we all saw it. She was spot on. And now people are saying, wow, she was actually being nice to him. And as we said earlier, the same people who kept telling us that, oh, Fetterman's fine. Mm -hmm. What are they telling us about Joe Biden? Right? Like... Fetterman's not no fine. Kidding. We can look at Joe Biden and see that he's not fine either. Why should we believe any of these people ever again? Uh, well, we should question everything. And he Biden just got lost in the in the garden there at the White House again. Biden I gets mean, lost going to the bathroom. It's like every day there's something new, and he just. Just got his booster shot, but the pandemic's over. The vice president is the president, and you know, I, I. The election just can't come soon enough, guys. So, Nigel, at what point did you stop watching? Did you get through about halfway? Was it a little bit more than halfway? The the whole fracking thing. Oh, is that where they lost you? very humiliating to watch for Mm -hmm. him. It was cringe. And and that's what people forget. Fetterman, another thing that's getting lost is his awful policies as a radical left-wing progressive. And this could have an effect on the entire nation if this guy uh, is, is elected senator, one of the 100 most powerful people in the country. He hates fracking, no matter what he said last night. He's a fat, he's, bald Bernie he's, Sanders. Yeah, he's, he wants to cancel pi- pipelines. Mm-hmm. He's uh, abolishing, he wants all for abolishing cash bail, letting murderers out of mm-hmm. jail. Um, his policies are awful. So yeah, well, I do feel sorry for him and I do think it's disgusting that the Democrats are putting him out there as just a purely as some sort of vessel for a vote in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, he has really, really bad policies. Yeah. Yeah, he wants to have open heroin injection sites. He wants to eliminate voter ID. He wants to remove all abortion limits and life sentences, like you said. He wants wants to get rid of the filibuster. He wants to release a third of inmates. I mean, even if the guy could articulate it well, wow. It's bad and, ideas. And he had equipment. He had ear. He had earpieces. He had uh, he had closed captioning. He mm-hmm. had uh, teleprompters, and he was still like the way he was. That mm-hmm. was the best Fetterman we could see last night. Let that sink in. He had weeks to prepare. He had equipment. That was peak Fetterman. Well, and he started out. I don't want to say strong, <laughs> but you could. He did def- not start strong. He told everybody good night. Hi, <laughs> hi, good night, everybody. <laughs> okay, he started out poor, and it just went down. Downhill. It was like he ran out of steam. Right. You know, it's like a football team that doesn't do enough cardio training. They just don't have the energy to get through the end of the game. So go back to Dr. Oz here for just a moment, because right now, if you look at the polls, some have it very close, neck and neck. It's certainly within the margin of error. Mm-hmm. But Fetterman's leading a lot of these polls. And the one thing that I think you can knock Dr. Oz on, and I heard this a couple times last night, he kind of gives off that I'm going to be the Joe Manchin type of guy in the Senate to where he made it perfectly clear last night, I'm willing to work with the Democrats. Mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. cross party lines. Mm-hmm. I want to do this and speak with all the Democrats. Listen, I've seen what those lunatics stand for. I don't want you working with those people. They're horrible people with bad policies. Do you think Dr. Oz has conviction enough to stay with what he believes or will he be easily swayed? 
I don't know yet. Like I don't have Mitch that McConnell type of lackey. feel mm-hmm. for him yet. I really don't. WPXI, which is a TV station in Pennsylvania, they did a poll right after the debate, minutes when it was over, and they put out who won the Senate debate. 83% said it was Oz. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Well, anybody with two eyes wow. that's not completely in the tank mm-hmm. for the Democratic Party can tell you that that was not a good night for John Fetterman. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a good night for him. But but Hammer and Casey, both of you guys can answer this. Democrats are still going to vote for him. They're not going to vote. Hardcore leftist progressive Democrats are not going to vote for Doctor Oz. It and would be better if they just didn't vote. If they don't want to vote for Oz. Just their, don't vote. Leave their, a blank. Their attitude is going to be, well, he has aides that can walk him through the votes, and he's, you know, going to be again, like I said, a place kicker for uh, for Chuck Schumer, and he's going to vote whichever way. That's all he has to do is pull mm-hmm. the lever, basically, and that's going to be the attitude. And it's gross. Yeah, yeah, it's gross. And his wife should be absolutely ashamed of herself for letting her husband go through that. Mm-hmm. You know, we spoke with my wife earlier and we made it clear. If I am trying to do radio mm-hmm. and I'm not able to speak and I'm speaking gibberish and I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't let me do it anymore. Don't let me go out there and humiliate myself anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, stop. Pull me to a side. But Dr. Jill and Fetterman's wife, they're so power hungry, they can't do that. Yeah, they're covering up for their spouses. Well, I hope that your wife will let you know when you start to suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a difference between speaking gibberish and sucking. Let's make it perfectly clear. She let him know in the previous segment he sucked. Right, right. <laughs> uh, Casey Daniels is with us. Part of the Kendall and Casey show every nine every day nine to noon right here at ninety three WIBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you still on some sort of weird Gretchen Whitmer mailing list? I am. I don't know how I got it, but I oh, you am went on. to a Gretchen Whitmer rally, no, didn't you, Casey? Are, are you kidding? There weren't any rallies when I lived in Michigan. The whole place was locked down, the frozen tundra. Uh, but for some reason, yeah, I did get on some data list because I am getting blown up by all of the Michigan politicians from both sides, which is really interesting. And you haven't lived in Michigan since when? Well, since March, end of March, when I moved here to Indy. Okay. But so, I love how you respond to these texts. Okay, this as is so funny. <laughs> I was having a little fun. So I got this text and it says, hey there, my name is Jennifer and I'm a volunteer with the Michigan Dems. Is this Casey? Yep. That's how I replied. Just yep. Yep. She says, hi, Casey, I'm supporting Governor Gretchen Whitmer this year because tough times call for tough people, and she's been fighting to put Michiganders first. Can we count on you to support Gretchen Whitmer in the upcoming election for governor in 2020? And I said, are you talking about the lady running against Tudor Dixon? Did she say 2020 or 2022? 22. Okay. Because I wouldn't put it past them to have the wrong year. Right, right, right. So I just thought I'd have a little fun. Is this the lady running against Tudor Dixon? Her reply, yes. And I thought, okay, I know I don't have a bot. This is an actual person. Let's have a conversation. So I said, what is Whitmer's top priority? And she replied, she has several that are very important. She's put in Michigan first by fighting against the 1931 abortion ban that would jail doctors and nurses, bringing 25,000 new auto jobs to Michigan. That was the first thing that they mentioned? That was the first thing they mentioned. And so I replied with, she's putting abortion as a top priority over inflation and the economy. What are her plans to slow crime? How does Whitmer feel about the governor's executive powers to close businesses being taken away? How does Whitmer think the, what does she think of Sunday's Trafalgar poll that calls the race a toss up? Right. Did she ultimately write back? 
No, I got, I got no response. Good, good. Well done. No response at all. We yeah. are going to see you tomorrow at a night with WIBC presented by Relay Indiana. I'm excited. This will be your virgin experience. Yeah, I'm super charged up, but I am a little bit nervous, I'll be honest nah, with you. It's I, fun. Well, you know what? 30 years of broadcasting on radio and TV, but then put me on a stage for more than a minute to introduce a band. This will be a new experience for me. So I've never done that. Here's how you get crowd applause. Make fun of Rob Kendall. That's all you got to do. Easy enough. There we go. Casey, thank you. Hey, thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Hey, I'm Nigel. Hammer is right over there. An entire hour of the Hammer and Nigel show coming up. Lots to get to. Lots of analysis. Lots of audio of the Pennsylvania Senate debate last night. It was Fetterman. It was Oz. And it was awkward. It was tough to watch because Fetterman is is, is in such bad shape. On one hand, I feel bad for the guy. He had a stroke. Uh, but on the other hand, it's not like anybody's forcing him to get out there. He just performed really, really awful. It's just awkward. Some, some. I mean, the stuff about the fracking and things like just was some of the worst moments you've ever seen in political debates last night. It was tough for me to watch. His politics stink anyway. Well, He's sure. a super radical, yeah. insane man. But he's also recovering from a stroke. So you put all that together. Listen, I said it earlier. I don't feel bad for the guy because he's trying to take the job of somebody and he's not up for the job right now. And that job indirectly involves me. He's making decisions for us, Nige, if he gets in the Senate. I would like to see what Senator Mike Braun from Indiana has to say uh, about what he saw last night and what he thinks is going to be in the midterms uh, coming up here in a few days. Mike Braun in studio tomorrow. Right. Yes, he'll be joining us in studio around three uh, thirty. So we got to for that. Know, we got to ask him if he's running for governor. Right. I mean, we've got to ask that question. Right. The leak was already out there. Right. Yeah. I think it was Indy Politics that had the story that Braun's inner circle is laying the groundwork yeah. for him to run for governor. So we'll ask that, and we'll also get his thoughts on Fetter Woman and everybody and in between. <laughs> Did so. he go bring us beer again? Last time he was here, brought us uh, brought us a sixer of uh, Sun Sun King, I think. I think we should probably hook him up this time. Just in you case think? he comes empty-handed, I don't want him to feel like, you know, oh, it was our turn and we dropped the ball. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, so that's tomorrow. He'll be in studio uh, around 3.30 or Do you so. think he'd drink a Pabst? Like, if we brought a PBR in here, do you think Mike Braun would drink a Pabst I mean, with us? He's from Jasper, Indiana. <laughs> I, I don't think he'd have a problem with Pabst Blue Ribbon. So, uh, Mike Braun in studio tomorrow at about 3.30.